time now, honey. It's time for little kidneys to go to sleep. Gotta go. Bye, Mr. and Mrs. Kidna. Good night, Kitty. Good night. Gotta get to bed, rest my weary head. Gotta brush my teeth when there's beds to be said. Put away the toys in the old toy box. Snap on the locks. Good night, Captain Washington. Cooked a bar of kangaroo. Good night, young Kitty. And good night to you. Good night, Captain Washington. What a classic. Oh, gold. This, doesn't this bring back some memories? Good night to you. Oh, I know. The sun's going down. Oh, I know. One, two, three, So welcome to another episode of the That's Rank podcast. I'm your host this evening, Bob's Bob, and we've got a a guest ranker in today. Hey. Welcome, Mr. Rob McCreel. Another Bob. <laughs> hey. It's great to be here. It's Bob and Rob. Yeah. Or it's Rob and Rob. I'm just thinking and reminiscing about uh, Captain Kenny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How long, what do you reckon the airtime was for that little intro? How many years? Decades? Oh, I don't know. I think it's uh, kind of early 80s. Kind yep. of thing, yeah. You know, I'd get home from school after a day of uh, you know being bullied and shunned, <laughs> probably having my head put down the toilet maybe once, twice, yep. and I'd sit yep. in my grotty patch in front of the TV, and it was things like that that kind of helped settle you down from the rest. Of helped the day. to put me into a meditative state. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds like it was a bit of a rough, <laughs> bit of a rough one, Rob. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't have quite the rough one, but I did have, you know, well, I had moments. I had, you had moments. Your moments. I had my moments. Yeah. I probably was more of a background player for the most part in school. But, okay. Yep. But the same routine. I'd come home, you know, I'd probably put something on the box, watch a bit of TV. Oh. And I, I do believe that that intro from Channel 10 um, yep. probably played from, you know, from the dawn for me, from, from pretty much when I was a kid, probably all the way through until I was an adult. Perfectly overlaid your... Uh Formative years. It was. It yeah. was. And the routine of coming home and putting the telly on. So you are Captain Kenny. Oh, look, I, <laughs> I kind of am. If only I was. Uh, if only I had such good routine as Captain Kenny. Oh, Kenny the Echidna. Kenny the Echidna. Kenny the Echidna. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason Kenny the Echidna's got so much energy. It's because he's he's got routine, Rob. <laughs> 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 it goes to bed on time every night. It was a propaganda uh, advertisement about social order, wasn't it? It kind of was. It kind of was. Don't live, out, don't live on the edges. Exactly. Um, so we're here today, Rob. We're doing a guest rank, and we've invited yourselves in. You're a fellow. You're you're a, you're a colleague of mine, but you're also uh, a, a fellow podcaster, a fellow traveller. You are. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Your podcast. It is called Diorama. Yeah. First thing people ask me is, how do you spell that? And it's the only diorama <laughs> podcast. I think there's some French thing. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's some. Di- it's the only other diorama. So I've really, yeah, jagged a good, uh, good title there. And it is. and it's a um, it's a. I guess you'd describe it as a personal journals, and storytelling podcast. Mm. Uh, the, by, the I guess the, the byline is uh, real stories from ordinary people. Yeah. And what like, was what was the last episode? Cooper? It was a um, it was actually a um, an interview. That I did with an old friend of mine who is a funeral and wedding celebrant. Right. And we talked about life as a funeral celebrant. That's a that's a big specialty. Yeah. And yeah. 
I was asking her questions like, uh, you know, what happens if the family are arguing and fighting and can't believe it, or their loved one was an old prick, basically. <laughs> what do you do about that? And it was fascinating. But the other part of the show is I, I, I did a uh, history walk through the Karakata Cemetery and mm. found some of the more quirky, interesting uh, graves and stories and did that. And it's yeah, right. a pretty popular app. Look, you're here on the That's Rank podcast this week, Rob. Mm. So. Mm. For our listeners, you know, you can find us obviously on your uh, podcast provider, whatever it might be, your podcast platform, but we're also on Twitter uh, and on Instagram and on Facebook at That's Rank Pod. Wow. Uh, we've got an email account, that's rankpod at gmail.com. And like today, you know, you've brought a, a, a kind of a rank idea. We kind of came up with this idea together. Yeah. But we're, we're, we sit next to each other in the office. That's it. Which is pretty awesome, really. It's, uh, it's, it's good value. It's, it is good value. Yeah. It's um, two Robs do make a right. Rob. Two Robs do make a right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There you go. That's our philosophy for today. Well, yeah. Obviously, this is the That's Rank podcast. I mean, do you have any questions about ranking? Well, what an interesting idea. Um, would you describe yourself as a as a ranker as a ranker yeah no i like to rank i like to rank but you know but i've also approached and this is what i like about ranking is it's, it's actually not at all about the actual list yeah so people because ah, i've got a yeah. film and tv background yeah people would often ask me what my favorite film was and yep. i'd never actually believe that you could have a favorite film because different films would strike you at different times of your life and mean different things to you. And you can't actually have a favourite of something so personal, you know, and something that's consistently, like, constantly moving like life is. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of um, I kind of disagree with the whole concept, <laughs> but at the same time, I yep. just decided that I would just start ranking things. This is back 20 years ago, and I just start giving people my, my, top, my top five films. You know, so I had a list so I could respond to the question. But then ultimately you end up having conversations about it. So you tell someone your list and they tell you their list. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I like about ranking is that, and lists is that um, passionate people make lists of the things that they're passionate about. Yes. And yeah. there actually is no defi- there's no such thing as a definitive list. No. But it's the conversation that it stirs. It's a process. It's a process. Yeah. And that's what I like about it. It's about the journey, not the destination. It's Robert. about the journey, not the destination, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Uh, we had a, um, a thing at work, and I was mentioning this to you the other day, that uh, just as a bit of a team-building exercise, I yeah. uh, got everyone to pick their favourite pop song of all time. Mm. And I thought, well, I knew what mine was. It was Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. No problems, okay? Yeah. But other people were coming back to me. I gave people a month to put this together, and then I was going to download them and put it onto a CD and design and print a cover and give everyone a copy. Yeah. Uh, nice idea. Or so we thought. Uh, people were coming back saying, <laughs> I've got an existential crisis. What, how, how can you just ask that question? What about <laughs> different relationships? What about decades? Yeah. What about when I was at school? What about, and, and they were, people were, one person actually said, I'm going to, I'm, I'm pulling out. I can't do this. I can't <laughs> cope. So it, it, it uh, became bigger than Ben Hur. Uh, yeah. We yeah. ultimately did it and we even had an afternoon tea and it was, very, really good fun. Yeah. But you're right, it's a, um, a kind of conversation. What do you think the worry is? Like, do you think the worry is that they're being unkind or unfair to the thing that they're missing out of on the list? Or do you think it says, they're thinking about what it says about them? I think uh, it's probably a bit of both, uh, or, or mostly about what it says about them. And I think mm. it's, uh, it's not so much the thing, but it's how it makes you feel. 
yeah, uh, yeah. or what it brings up for you. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's the added bit to it. Uh, you know, you try and pick a song and then you start to think about your life and about the relationships yeah. you've had and you yeah. – so it's kind of confronting in a way. It's a bit therapeutic in a way. Yeah. About people yeah. – makes people reflect. Can do, can't it? It can do. They're reflecting on who they are yeah. and what means to them and probably moments from their life as well. Yeah. I just came up with Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run, you know, and no problems, didn't think about it, no self-awareness. <laughs> no, just not too worried about it. Just, yeah, that'll yeah, do. Yeah, That's good. Yeah, yeah. No not problems. Too, not too attached. You're yeah. Not too attached. <laughs> uh, but, but, I mean, yeah. is that a consistent choice? Would you say that's still your number one? Oh, look, I, I have the same questions as everyone else. I have yeah. my songs that I liked when I was at uni and yeah. uh, when I was a kid. And uh, it just the stories just open up and open up and open up, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm the same. I'm not a. Complete dumbass. You're like me. Like you just kind of pull out the number one for the yeah, sake of yeah, finding a number yeah, one. Yeah. And we were just talking about my number one film of all time, which was uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Wow, that great was, film. That, that was the one that I used to dish out. But I still, it is one of my all time favorites. It's probably 100%. like, or you, or you can go top ten or top five yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, before we move on to the episode, which yeah. is going to be for today, yeah, I'll just introduce the topic in case people are wondering. It's going to be top three. Afternoon sitcoms. What does it mean to you when I say when we say afternoon sitcom? Well, it means getting home from school um, mm. after a rough day at school and getting up really close to the TV because I'm pretty blind and I always used to sit really close, like um, you know, eighteen inches away. Yeah. And the carpet in front of the TV had this kind of circular, worn, grubby. <laughs> <laughs> grubbiness about it and that was because of me because yeah. back in the day we'd often go to school with no shoes on mm. so you'd get home and you'd be a bit grubby so in front of the telly grab it grab a pile of fresh bread yeah. and some biscuits coconut rings yeah and uh, you know some a drink and then sit down and watch the, the shows a lot of them were reruns yeah but they were they were more loyal than yeah. a good friend as, yeah. as loyal as a good friend Definitely. and they'd always be there and they just took Every you away day. yeah yeah and I don't know what it was about them, but they just were captivating. I think it is that ru- it's that r- rhythm and that routine to it. What I love about it is, like, we're, we're from different generations. Yep. I think we should just put that out there right now. Well, I'm, so so what, what, different what, lists. I was born in 1960. What year, what year were you born in? 1982. Right, so that's going to be an interesting contrast. Yeah, so we're talking, my list pretty much formed in the 90s. Okay. So, and I'm, I've got... My three yep. starts at the early nineties and runs all the way through, you know. But that was my that was my prime afternoon TV watching years, right? You know, because in two thousand uh, I turned eighteen, yep, and I was kind of out and about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. But up until that point, I was definitely coming home from school, hanging out, chilling, yep, and definitely had a lot of go to classics. And like you say, it was all always reruns. It was always just the filler, really. Yeah, that they yeah. put on some. It's, it's that it's that that space between afternoon um, TV. Yep. Which is your Columbos and your Oprahs and your, yep. your your Judge Judies and your Doctor Phils. Yep. yep. That's the stuff that I would you know. That's when we're at school and at work. Yep. This was my this was this was my my generation. Yep. Then after that, you would get the the kids home from school. So then you'd get the three thirty four, four thirty. Yeah, you get a lot of classic cartoons, which for me were, were things like Rugrats uh, um, and a few a few things like that. There yep. was one other thought I had when I was thinking about this, which yep. is that if you're growing up now, 
you probably don't have the same kind of traditions. Now it's coming back and you're on YouTube, you're on Netflix, but there's yeah. no, it was something about the fact that it, it, these shows are on at a time. Yep. And you had to be there at that time. Yep. And you couldn't be late, you couldn't be early. No. You had no. to be there at that time, you had to watch it through. You had to, you know? and, and and the show would fit in. Dinner would fit around the shows. Well, they were designed from for getting home from school to the beginning of dinner time, yeah. or when the news was uh, yeah. coming up. So they yeah. were they were perfectly targeted at uh, kids getting home from school. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So it's perfect. All right, Rob. So let's um let's get into our ranks, shall we? Let's start working our way through the top three. Let's be complete rankers. <laughs> Let's get rank. <laughs> Let's just speak utter rank. <laughs> well, you're the guest, Rob, so please go right. first. Okay, what, okay. What's your number three? We start from three, we go, we work down to number one. Well, my list is a bit longer, but I want to talk about the Flintstones. Okay. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. You know the Flintstones? I know the Flintstones. Flintstones, yeah. another one that yeah. came out in the 60s. Uh, it's 1960, in fact, and it was working class. Fred yeah. and Barney worked in the rock pit and their wives stayed at home. They had no money. Yeah. But Fred, I mean, what a funny show, great show. But when you look back, Fred was a complete asshole. <laughs> he he was manipulative. Yeah. And he was domestically violent. He'd yeah. threaten his wife. Yeah. He used to beat up Barney. Yeah. So it's totally self indulgent. It was, but it was kind of the values of the day. Yeah, and yeah. it's just uh, it's become a bit of a relic because of all those things. But you don't necessarily want to make see a show about just a regular kind of middle class life. No, um, although there was plenty of those shows when you think about Full well, House and Blossom and well, well the racial be. side of things. I mean, you look at Family Matters and, and the Cosby Show, where you had black Americans on screen. Yep, but they were living stereotypical white lives. They were. Like yeah, they, they were living just like a white middle-class family. They weren't living, which is probably where the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air became quite... Yeah, they were, um, yeah, they were white people yeah. being played by black people. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, Where, crazy. Whereas yeah. the Fresh Prince was yeah. different because it was a yeah. a guy from Chicago. Yep, yep. Sorry, from West Philadelphia, born and raised. Exactly. That's obviously <laughs> from exactly. the song uh, in the playgrounds where he spent most of his days. Now, I've got another couple of shows that also struck me as well, and I love these programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bewitched yeah. and I Dream of Jeannie. Mm. Now, these are shows, that, these were just like sort of, um, sort of um, completely new ideas but they were really traditional families, white, yeah, yeah. middle class. But the thing about the two shows that, I, that really struck me, and I used to think about this when I was a teenager and think a lot about it later on, was basically they were stories of guys that had married women with supernatural powers. Yeah, yeah. They had powers that could they could do whatever they wanted, right? But these guys used to spend every episode trying to control and the powers... Actually, of these yes, women, they were. They were trying to hide. Yeah, trying to sort of keep control of their wives. Control. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And, and that was the kind of the signature of every episode was the kind of crazy comedy of errors, mm. trying to sort of hide. You know, um, Samantha and her, her using witchcraft or or the or Jeannie doing yeah. amazing yeah. things. Whereas these guys could have had incredible lives, yeah. but they just were fighting. To keep the their role as head of the household yeah. against these incredible odds, yeah. So that, but the, so that was the thing about these those. But I love those shows. 
Yeah. I, I love actually thinking about the politics, A, of the time and how they're represented, but also potentially like questioning the politics of the, of the people that made it too. Yeah. Like I've, subversive people. Yeah. Because I'm fascinated yep. by subvert, sub, political subversion yep. through pop culture. Yep. Um, I love it when I see big blockbuster stuff that has you know, quite profound messages um, or, or tackles quite deep issues. Um, or you know, it really kind of pushes a, a point, so to speak, but does it through really a mainstream product. Yeah, you know, that's what makes mainstream products more interesting. It's why I hate stuff like Transformers, which just exists without any of that. Mm. You know, just mm. the Transformers is a. Perf- I got very. I'm, I'm I'm renowned amongst a group of friends for becoming very angry when I walked out of Transformers too, because yep. this was in the days of of Bush. Um, yep, and I just remember walking out of the cinema. After watching Transformers 2, just being really appalled at the politics of the sh- of the film, yeah, because it was really like subversive right wing yep. messaging. You know, democracy doesn't work. No, not not dem- uh, diplomacy doesn't work, and yep. violence is this, and we need yep. the army for yep. this, and yep. you know, there was all sorts of homophobia and racial stereotypes yep. and misogyny, and it's just like, and I don't think it's necessarily even self aware. No, like I think it's just actually. It's it's the it's a person who probably doesn't necessarily actually think about those things. Yeah. Just recreating the world that they see in front of them. Yeah. And doing so in such a heightened way that it's really clear to kind of to see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I don't think I'm not sure if I dream of genie or be which was that. It seems like those were shows that were quite intentional. I don't know. In uh, a bit uh, of both, maybe. Yeah, I think. Um, Maybe a bit of both, but it was mm. an interesting, interesting standout. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I've got to say, Lost in Space. Yeah, the sixties Lost in Space. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, stuff. Did you do you ever see that? Uh, not a great deal. Not a great not deal. A great deal. But yeah. I do remember the the Matt LeBlanc uh, Heather Graham film of the nineties. Oh, yep. <laughs> and there's there's an amazing TV series. Yes. About Lost in Space, oh, a new the one new one, one which out. is is Good. is incredible. Yeah. Now the other one was, of course, the Munsters and um, Adams family. The Adams family. Yes, that, that was a bit course. of a trend, but they were incredible. They were so beautifully made shows, and again, though, their, their stories about um, yeah. misfits. Yeah, they sure are. You know, yep. And about how the misfits actually are families yep. of love and yep. care for each other and have these great qualities. Yep. But they're also the weird people at the end of the street that you don't quite exactly. Yeah, yeah. And now, look, uh, of course, Batman. The, the 1960s Batman yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is another one. But I'll give you, I'll, at the risk of talking all night, well, let's get into the actual three. All right, let's go to, let's go to number three. Let's okay, number three. three. Let's, uh, number three would have to be uh, the Flintstones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's golden. That's really good stuff, you know. Yeah. That's like the forerunner of The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that was written and designed for adults as well as children, that yeah. show. Yeah. It was actually aired primetime. Yeah, when it first came out, it's it's incredible. Even though Fred Flintstone is domestically violent toward Wilma. Mm. Um, now, the next one is Gilligan's Island. Oh, hold on, hold on. So what we do here? So oh, you yeah, do okay. yours, and yep. then I'll do mine. Oh, and then right, you right. Do yours, sorry. And yep, I'll yep. Do mine. Flintstones number That's three. Okay, Flintstones number three. Um, and we can spend a bit of time going through it. Like I know we've probably well each each episode of that's ranked different. Let's just go with how it naturally presents. So my number three, Rob. 
And I've gone through, as I, as I find I'm doing a fair bit when I make my lists, I'm going through like periods of my life. Ah. So, and, and often the, the three happens at an earlier period. So for me, an earlier period was primary school. And I would race home to watch this show because this was back in the day when we'd mm. walk and cycle to school. Yep. And I was about 10, 15 minutes away. So I'd mm. just be walking, cycling, no parental supervision, nothing. Yep. And, 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 and when gummy bears... When Gummy Bears was released, okay. I was a fanatic about the Gummy Bears. So <laughs> Gummy Bears is, a, is, a, is about a group of bears that live in the, the forest, effectively. It's a yep. bit like the Smurfs or, or, yep. or something like that. It's just like a, a group, a community. A community uh, and each yep. community had its own characters. In each episode, there was a, a threat to the community. Uh, right. And the Gummy Bears, and this is what's really fascinating about a lot of the stuff that I watched is there was a huge theme of performance enhancement through the taking of drugs. So it's Banana Man when he took a banana made him strong. It was Roger Ramjet would take a protein a proton pill to make him strong. Proton the pill. gummy bears would eat the gummy the gummy berries from the from the from the tree. Okay. It was like an amphetamine. It would give them superior strength, agility. <laughs> Reflexes. It would make them take this berry and they'd become superpowered bears that would then be able to tackle whatever threat there was to their. Did they all have community. rotten teeth? <laughs> they probably did. They probably did. Yeah, yeah. They all had um, rotten teeth <laughs> and poor and skin conditions um, <laughs> and huge memory issues. Volatile behaviour. Yeah, yeah, they all had a really low. The gummy bear community had a really low life expectancy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, like, I often think back, um, and I once saw a funny bit, which was, you know, because when I was a teenager, um, you know, this was the big, real dominant emergence of rave culture. Yep. You know, ah. like that kind of came out of the oh. of the counterculture, in the, it emerged in the 80s, countercultured its way through the, the 90s, and then really emerged mainstream in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. And I remember someone making a joke that if... If, if if video games impacted kids yep. when they became adults, you know, then my generation who played Pac-Man would all be in dark rooms with bright flashy lights munching on pills. Right. And that's basically what the generation kind of became. That's a and scary theory. It's a sc- <laughs> but when you look back and you think about Roger Ramjet, Banana Man, Gummy Bears... Um, Astro Boy? Did Ash- no, I think Astro Boy just had powers. But, like, the whole idea of taking something. Rainbow like, used to ha- have oxy gum that he would take so that he could breathe underwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's that? Marine Boy. Marine Boy. That's a sort of mangory kind of cartoon from the 60s. Fantastic cartoon. Really good. But he'd take, he, would, he would pop a uh, oxy gum so that he could... Swim under the water really? for a period of time. Yeah, so there's another yeah, one. There's another one. Yeah. I just want to play the Gummy Bears theme <laughs> just because it's a classic. Dashing and daring, courageous and caring, faithful and friendly with stories to share. All through the forest they sing out in chorus, marching along as their song fills the air. Gummy Bears bouncing here and there and everywhere. That's 
So that song would ring through my head. And <laughs> bouncing everywhere from here and there, like that was because they were high on berries. They were. Yeah. Uh, so that's number three. It was a childhood, early childhood classic of mine, of which I didn't consider the broader subtext until many years later, Rob. Amazing. Well, so, okay, my num- we are number two now? We're on number two. Okay, Gilligan's Island. Yep. That uh, started in 64, and that was uh, just outrageous premise. Yeah. Uh, it was just... But I loved it so much, and I couldn't get enough of... And they, re- they, I don't think they rerun it anymore because of streaming and whatever. But it reran for years. But it like, reran it was forever. Fr- running through my my yeah. my years yeah. as, as a young person, like I was, I was watching uh, Gilligan's Island. But it was just fantastic. I mean, all the characters were fantastic, and the it didn't make any sense. Like <laughs> Thurston Howell the Third had a, a a trunk full of money. Yeah, and they all left Hawaii to go on a three hour cruise. Yeah, and um, why would someone like Thurston Howell the Third be on a crappy boat like the SS Minnow? Yeah, yeah, being yeah. so rich. Yeah, it was just outrageous, yeah. but it was so funny. It was just ridiculous. And then um, a three-hour cruise to end up on an island. Yeah, yep. And a movie star, and and they all had heaps of clothes and yeah, yeah. And the professor, uh, uh, he would you know make. Like a nuclear reactor out of two coconuts or something, yeah, yeah. and um, you know they they it was just fantastic. It was, yeah. it was, but it was like a lot of these shows. I've tried to watch them as an adult, and yeah. they're kind of unwatchable. Yeah, uh, they are, you know, and that's disappointing because, like, I used to love watching Batman, the set, yeah. the sixties Batman, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there was years when you couldn't get it on DVD. Yeah, uh, there was some dispute about who owned the rights to it or whatever. And then yeah. finally it came out and then they were playing it on SBS. They still do. You can go on SBS On Demand and watch eps of Batman. Yeah, right. And I watched it and I thought, I can't watch this. Yeah. It was just unwatchable. It's just poor. But it was back in the day. Was it, it, was, was it the writing or the messaging or the was it like the, the, the racism and the... Oh, no, no. I think it, no, no, no. Look, I think it was just the writing. I think yeah, it was just yeah. a bit bland and a bit unsophisticated and it was just dated. Well, it's but it was a different beast back then. Yeah, so yeah, there was yeah. a different comparison point. You know, this yeah. is before the Sopranos and the West Wing and the Wire. Oh. You know, revolutionised television. Oh yeah, and Twin Peaks. Yeah, this was you. You would have a group of people that would make an episode every week. Yeah, and you'd have a like, bunch of people writing. You yeah. know, like that the performances were. The, 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 the sets were just like a couple of rooms. Yep. Yeah, one camera kind of stuff. Um, the performances have to be really broad. Really simple. It was but they just very pu- simple. But they pumped it out. Yeah, and, they pumped and, it out. And as a kid, uh, it was just so palatable. It was wonderful. Yeah. But as yeah. an adult, it's just, you know, a bit bland and a bit simplistic yeah. and a bit boring, But uh, which was a disappointment because I have fond memories of Killigan's Island. I, yeah. Um, yeah. Some things are better left in their place, though, aren't they? Maybe, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I had I had them on DVDs and... Uh, I, Shared them with my kids when they were little, and they loved them as well. Yeah, right. So um, that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I, and that's the thing about like it's dangerous sometimes to go back. Yeah, it's dangerous to think too much about the past. It is because yeah. at the time, it's about what it meant to you at the time. Yeah, and and, and look, the Cosby Show is a perfect example to go back there again. Sensitive yep. territories because you can't get more. You can't get more. Really, just uh, appalling. Yeah, really, where yep. that's gone. 
Yeah. Like you just can't get more offensive, really. No. You know, we're watching a we're watching a you reflect back with nostalgia on watching a, a, a sex offender. Yeah. Yeah. A, yeah. A, a, a prosecuted, charged yeah. sex offender. Yep. And you're watching and you're reflecting positively on his peak. Yeah. Where he made millions of dollars. Yeah, absolutely. And it's complicated. It but is. But at the time, like I guess that's looking back, I enjoyed the show at the time. Like yeah. I enjoyed all of these shows. I wasn't aware of the, the content, the broader subtext of no. family matters and all of its political. And black people playing white characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. all that stuff. To me, that's probably the most offensive, uh, disappointing part of the whole the whole yeah. thing with the Cosby yeah. Show. Yeah, but um, yep, yeah, Gilligan's Island. And look, even as a young adult, I'd love to. I, I used to love getting a, a rerun ep yeah. of Gilligan's Island. It's fantastic stuff. But the racism in even giving us on, I imagine there was an episode when a couple of uh, Indigenous uh, Americans would, would have come to the island, probably where, you know, with dressed in characters of themselves. And oh, there was one episode when um, uh, they, uh, I think Ginger, or one of the characters went a bit troppo and was dreaming that the Second World War... No, there was a, that's right, there was a Japanese soldier... Who has right. who was stranded on the island? That's right, yeah. and he thought the war was still on. Yeah, and that was a terribly um, racist kind of a yeah. stereotype. And of course, it wasn't an Asian guy that they used to play the part. Oh God, it was a Mickey Rooney type. It was a Mickey Rooney kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, as a side note, that's actually a true story. There was a, they found a guy. Like, yeah. Like, oh gosh, I can't. Remember. I'm not going to Google it. Yeah. But look yeah. into this. Yeah. Because there was a guy that was found in a Pacific Island, yep. and it was like decades later. I love it. Was it was decades later. And he was still on the impression that the war was on, and yeah. that he was fighting for the Emperor <laughs> of Japan. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So look yep. into that one. Now, Mikhail's Navy was another one in the oh, 60s. Mikhail's Navy. Now, that was, uh, they were basically just badass soldiers that were criminals, yeah, and, they, and yeah. they used to, you know, and they had a guy called Fuji, who was a, a deserter from the Japanese Navy, and he lived with them. And they called him Fuji. That Fuji. was the name of the character. That was his name, Fuji. And, and they called him Fuji, and he was their mate. Yeah. And that was, yeah. that was a – and he was – I think he was a Japanese guy or an Asian guy that played Fuji, and that was kind of like a – it wasn't a bad racial stereotype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were all kind of sort of, you know, uh, sort of dodgy characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they, you know – so that was maybe a bit progressive for its time. It was I think er- so. early diversity. Yeah, early yeah, diversity. Yeah. Look, um, speaking of a lack of diversity, <laughs> one number two, Rob, um, is Seinfeld. You know, I've only ever watched one episode of Seinfeld. I think that was the Boy in the Bubble episode. Yeah. That's the only episode. And I, I don't know, I think I was, my head was in other places. I was doing other things, and I and I missed a whole generation of. Yeah. I'm disappointed. I wish I had watched it now, but I because everyone talks about Seinfeld. It's just part yeah. of the fabric. Yeah. It feels like it was, and it's it's it seems to be regarded as like a really, um, as like a marker in the sand. Yeah. You know when 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 sitcoms went from perfect families. Yeah. To a bit more sad. Selfish, cynical, unlikable characters. Yeah, because the whole show of Seinfeld is really four unlikable characters. Yep, um, that's its premise for eccentric, um, 
childless, single, late in their 30s or 40s. You know, it's, it's the antithesis of, of what had come before it with the family sitcom. Mm. It was, um, and just, I guess, very clever writing. Um, I mean, my feeling on it is that it was, and it was, a, it was a constant for me. Like, throughout all of, all of high school, I remember Seinfeld coming home and Seinfeld would have had its runs because mm. there was always the, 6.30 was Neighbours and 6 o'clock was the news and 7 o'clock was, was a sitcom. And it was either Nanny or it was mm. Seinfeld or it was, there was maybe not, the King of Queens or something like that. Yeah. And they would cycle them over. And I would always remember when Seinfeld started. It was like it was like what we do now when we binge a series. Yeah. You know, you get an old classic and you just come home and you just you work your way through the whole run of a show. Yeah, yeah. And it takes you months and you don't watch anything else. You just work your way through yep. it. Yep. That's what it was like because every night there was a new episode and you'd work mm. your way through all the series. Yep. Um, and Seinfeld just had that space to make. But, and, and I remember it, it finished in 1999, which was my last year of high school. Was it 99 or was it? No, I'm pretty sure it was 99. My last year of high school. And I just remember, maybe the year before, maybe it was 98. I just remember it was a, it was a moment. For me, it was a real cultural moment. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like how people reflect on who shot JR. Do you know people yep. who shot JR with Dallas? Yep, sure do. I, I've never seen Dallas. No. But I know about who shot JR. Yeah. And the finale of Seinfeld was the same because there was so much anticipation. And then it was such a shit finale. Yeah. <laughs> it's renowned as a real dud of an episode. Like they didn't stick the landing. But what's fascinating about it is that they kind of like revealed the whole premise of the show, which was so in, in, the, in the final episode, all the characters finally. Make a break. If Jerry finally gets his break, and George, co- Jerry, and George co-write a show, which is meant to be Seinfeld. Yeah. So it's meant to be like in real life, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's real journey. Yep. Being a stand-up comedy comedian, the final episode, his show gets greenlit, and he gets given a private jet flight to anywhere he wants in the world. So he takes his private jet, and they have to land in this small country town, and something. Happen. I can't remember the full details, but something happens, and they end up laughing and making fun of this this person, um, and they don't help them at a point of distress, and then they get seen and they get charged for um, what's the uh, the word when you're an unhelpful bystander when you're oh. a bystander that witnesses a, a crime and you don't do anything uh, about it. Yeah, like yeah, they, uh, they get. They get Kind okay. of charge for like a, uh, like a hostile witness or something. I can't. Yeah, like or like a, some like. Oh, there's a word for it. Anyway, they're a bystander. They see someone getting robbed. They don't know anything about it. They get mm. charged for mm. not preventing it. So the whole final episode is a court case. And the court case is the four of those characters and every person that steps, is called as a witness is a famous character from the series. Okay. So it's like a who's who of all the classic characters. And all of them testify to how bad these people are <laughs> and how unlikable the four characters are. And at the end of the show, they get charged and they get all thrown in jail. And that's the end of the show. So it was, when you think about it, it's bizarre. It's dud. Well, it was a dud of an episode. It wasn't that clever, but it was kind of quite, I think in, in reflection, it was quite clever and quite, okay. like, and quite brave. Yeah. Because they were actually calling out what the show was about, which was, they didn't, but they, they, they were, they were, it was that point of reflection mm. when they were making okay. the audience recognise and reflect on the fact that they've spent 10 years 
watching really terrible people. Yeah. And we didn't realise they were terrible. Yeah. We just took them as normal. And in the final episode, they go, these people are terrible people. That was the whole premise of the whole show. Because the last thing it probably needed was some sort of blockbuster ending. Yeah. Because the, the whole thing was that it was a, a show about nothing and about na- nasty people. Well, it was or, a show about... Un- unsavory. It, it was known as a show about nothing. Yep. But it was actually a show about like almost nihilistic and narcissistic people. Yep. 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 So, or people that believed in nothing. So I don't know whether I should uh, at some stage... Start watching it. Is it dated or is it is it worth? Look, I've got friends that have gone back and revisited, and they loved it. I haven't done that myself. Yeah. Well, I've never. Um, I, maybe I could. It'll be a good thing for me to do because I haven't seen it. It's a very clever show. From yeah. memory, it's a very. Cl- and I'd be interested to see how it, how it, how it holds up. Amazing pl- um, product placement. The incredibly yeah. five thousand dollar push bikes on the wall and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I call so a person that we both know. His name I won't reveal on, on the episode. Mm. Falls asleep every night to Seinfeld. Still, they put it on. They fall. Asleep it's like he's blanky. It's, like, it's exactly right. Well, it's like coming home from school, it's going into blanky, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the same as Seinfeld. <laughs> going to sleep. Um, uh, so, but for me, it was number two. It was a classic show for my teenage years. Look, a lot of people say that. Mm. Yeah, it's a kind of a, you know turning point. One of those signature turning point milestone. That's the word I'm looking for. Milestone yeah, yeah, TV shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, yep. yeah. We're up to our number ones, Rob. Okay, my number one is a program called The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. And yeah, no, that came. I out, have never heard of this show well, ever. Listeners, this is a show you've got to hunt down and watch. <laughs> it's it came out in 1959. Yeah. And I it was always rerun when I was a kid and it was all in black and white. Never went to color. I think it went for about 3 or 4 years and it was about a young bloke played by an actor called Dwayne Hickman who was a high school student. The you many know, the many lives of The many loves of Dobie D O B I E Gillis G I L L I S. And this show he he was constantly on the lookout for a girlfriend. Love, love girls, but he 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 struggled to find a girlfriend. And he oh. used to um, start the show. He'd have he'd he'd do a a narration to camera. He'd sit in a park on a park bench with a statue. You know the thinker, the statue of the yeah. thinker. Yeah, there was yeah. A, a marble statue of the thinker behind him, and he'd talk about his his teenage angst. But it was set in the in the fifties, and it just had. Just a most beautiful kind of look to it. You know, uh, his father used to run a grocery store and it was yeah, a really yeah, yeah. old-fashioned grocery store. Yep. I don't know what city they were in, but uh, it was... And um, Bob Denver, who played Gilligan, yep. he, he played his mate, whose name was Maynard G. Krebs, who was a beatnik. He was obsessed with jazz music and he used to wear, you know, tatty clothes. Has, oh my god, how's his soundtrack? It has the best intro. I'm, just, I'm watching it now, it's a great cartoon. And he's, have, you seen the, have, you looked at the, have you looked at the intro? Have you watched the intro recently? The intro is beautiful, it's just uh, it's pure jazz. It's pure jazz, but have you watched what's happening? Yeah, I do. So, Dobie Gills, Gillis, Gillis yeah. is a peeping Tom for a hole in the fence. He's looking through the fence, but he's, he's constantly. <laughs> Constantly kind of looking for women, you know. He, he loves all women. Yeah. 
is she large? <laughs> is she tall? Is she whatever? You know, he. But it's just but that music. That that the music that just typifies the yeah. the feel of the show. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was a really quality show. Yeah. And uh, they they reran it a lot in the sixties, and I think it, they stopped. But it's it's seriously, it's on my list to buy the box set. Yeah, because I can watch these shows because it is funny and deep, and it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. about a working class family, and it's just yeah. got yeah. it. Just I don't know. It just has a. It's I just love the humor of it. I can't explain what it's like, but it's it's great. Well, I think what I've touched on is my fave. It's important that the characters that we're watching are flawed mm. because it's the flawed characters that are the most endearing, aren't yep. they? Yep. And it's also the flawed characters that remind us most of ourselves. I think so. Dobie constantly tried to take money out of the till. He always wants. He's always trying to sponge money <laughs> off his dad, and his dad constantly says, "I, I got to kill that boy. I got to kill that boy." It's great. And Dobie's mum just thinks he's he's perfect, and you know, yeah, it's great. Mm, yeah, but yeah. but you're right. I think uh, uh, the the ones that stand out are where people are kind of ordinary people struggling with life and they're real people that you can relate to. Mm. Like Fred Flintstone, mm. he's working class, and Dobie, he's working class, you know, yeah. and um, yeah. Yeah, and it's a bit, you know, they've, they're, they struggle with real things. They're not just um, kind of middle-classy type things in different strokes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know. But that's, uh, that's, what's, that's, that's engaging television. It always kind of has been, mm. you know, like just... It's fairy tales. Mm. Fairy tales tend, tended to be, and, and nursery rhymes were the, the Brothers yep. Grimm were about yep. dark stories and like, flawed yep. characters and people on the edges of society. And it's yep. no different now as it's ever been, you know? Exactly. And I think when they are stories closer to our heart, maybe yeah. that's when they yeah. Um, yeah. become faves. That's probably what, uh, well, unlike um, uh, Bewitched and uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But but yeah, when they when they become a bit more every every man sort of shows they, yeah, they yeah. yeah but uh, yeah funny thing funny thing well sixty sitcom similar so David Gillis and you know his dad wanted to kill him sounds yeah. a bit like probably what my number one's going to be which is a similar on, on this vein yep of subversive stuff in ah. pop culture and it's The Simpsons oh which for me remains. Uh, the most probably influential and memorable yeah. television show of, of my lifetime, I would say. I mean, I've seen a lot of great TV shows. Yeah. Um, and particularly the last couple of decades have given us amazing ones. But The Simpsons, I remember when it, I remember when it came out. I remember talking about it in the car on the way back from T-ball practice. Yep. Um, and I remember watching it the first, the first, the first seasons. I remember yep. Who Shot Mr. Burns was like a, a big moment. Yeah, you know, and the, and the internet had just come out. Yep. And who shot Mr. Burns was like the first time I kind of kind of got the internet set up at the house, and yep. it's the early stages of kind of googling. Yeah. Uh, googling, trying to find out like the I'll see the, the the chat and the, the all the conversation about who shot the theories about who shot Mr. Burns, um, and then it's still going, and it's bizarre because when I say The Simpsons is the greatest TV show of all time. I'm actually only referring to about eight seasons. Yeah. Like the first eight seasons. I haven't really watched it since then. No, nor and, have I. And there's a, there's, there must be close to 22 seasons. It must be close to three decades going now, surely. Yeah. I think I've, I've recently subscribed to Disney 
and I think all the Simpsons episodes are on there. Yeah. How yeah. would you watch? How would you go watching those? Well, be- so it's an interesting point because I remember, so my memory was that the Simpsons got really good. In like seasons three, four, five, six, and seven. Yeah. And then started to peter out a little bit in eight. And seasons one and two, they were finding their feet. They're a little rough around the edges. Yeah. Yeah. As an adult, I went back and watched, I started watching it again. And what I found was seasons one and two were vastly superior, in my opinion, yep. to the, show, the seasons that came later because seasons one and two were totally grounded. In the story of this family, yeah, and, and and it was it was again like really quite politically in, and it's like or culturally important because yep. like previously you had as we've touched on family matters, family ties, like perfect uh, full house, perfect families. Mm. The Simpsons, you've touched on Barney Barney Rubble yep. being a domestic yep. abuser. Well, Homer Simpson's uh, yeah an alcoholic. Well. And he, and, he, and he physically assaults his son. They pay homage to shows like The Flintstones. Yeah. By, yeah. by having Barney as... He's got a mate called Barney. So That's Fred. right. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. But Gillis Barney's an alcoholic. Like a, like a, like a, and Barney's an alcoholic. So in the very first episode, Homer loses money gambling and, goes <laughs> up and brings his alcoholic mate Barney down to the track <laughs> to try to win it back. And they end up... They end up finding a dog that's basically... They end up rescuing a greyhound, basically. Santa's little helper. Santa's little helper. And that's what Homer brings home. So, But it's this really flawed characters. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and at the time, I didn't realise it because I was a kid, but, you know, when you look back at it now and you listen to stuff about it, there was actually quite a lot of controversy around The Simpsons um, in, in that it was characters which were pretty rough. And... There was a lot of concern from a lot of people about Bart Simpson being a naughty boy and being yeah. a bad influence to other boys. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah what yeah. year did it start? Can you remember? Oh, I mean, I feel like it was 92. You know, I think I was at uni. I or it was just actually after, even a bit earlier. Because I, I watched probably eight, eight or ten eps yeah. religiously when yeah. it first came out as a young, as a young adult. Because I, I can imagine, I was just a kid at the time. Was that a uh, milestone moment? Do you remember when The Simpsons first came out? Sure was it, and it was a cultural breakthrough. It was. It was. It was. Nothing else had been like it. Had been like nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Yep. Um, nineteen eighty nine. Thirty three seasons. It was the year that I finished work, st- finished uni, and started work that I religiously had The Simpsons, and it was the best thing ever. Yeah. Right. I don't know why I haven't included it. Probably because it's just such a part of the fabric. Yeah, that's right. It's because right. it's still now. I, I still I could watch The Simpsons yeah, and still love yeah. it. Whereas these are, are relics. These shows that I've mentioned before. Well, that's it. And uh, uh, to be honest, I question whether it was an afternoon sitcom because it's prime time. It was prime time, but I I got to really know it when yep. it was afternoon reruns. Okay, of course, because you know, it was prime time. But they re, they reran it. They yeah. reran it. They reran it. They it did. was I think it was earlier. I think it was like a five or a five thirty show, yeah. The Simpsons. Yeah. Um, and that's when I really got to know it. So for me, that was when I. But it was a prime time show. It was a yeah. cultural phenomenon. It was the Harry Potter. It was Game of Thrones. Yeah. It was that level. Of and then phenomenon. of course, uh, I guess to sort of add. A, a bizarre twist to it at all. Then we had South Park, yeah, which just was another milestone again. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and that's it. And, and South Park paid homage in a famous episode when they try to do new ideas, and they're like, "Oh, The Simpsons already done it." Yeah, because they were like, "The Simpsons is the it is it's the precursor, isn't it?" Sure is. 
Uh, but the Flintstones was probably the precursor yep. to The Simpsons. Yep, yep, for sure. Same so sort of premise. The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis <sighs> was probably a precursor to The Simpsons. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, that is definitely on my radar as a box set to own. Yeah. Because I could, I, I love it. And I do look up episodes. You found an app on, online just then. Yeah. And I've watched a couple of them and I just think, oh, it's, it's just such a classy show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I think it'll be, you'd, you'd, you'd have a lot of stuff out there, Rob. Right? Yeah. In the way, I reckon a lot of old, a lot of these old series would be yep. probably on YouTube. Yeah, oh, they are. A lot of them just are crap. A lot of them are. You look back on them and you watch them and you think yeah. it's disappointing. Yeah. Really. Like yeah. I watched um, the Indiana Jones trilogy. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they're disappointing as well. <laughs> but yeah, I, I convinced a friend recently, I convinced Liam, the co host of That's Ranked, to watch. Um, yep. Well, to basically go back and, and watch a lot of um, films. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But in particular, he went and started with um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And he was, yeah, wasn't that impressed. And I probably went, if I went back and watched it, I probably wouldn't be either. Like, it's probably pretty dated. I think it? you look at the fashions and the hair, and mm. it's, uh, even though it's period 1930s, it's stylized. Yeah. It's from, you can tell that it's from the 80s. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a bit, bit of a shame, but. Yeah. Thanks very much, Rob, for joining us on this episode. It's been real. It has been real. It's, it's been, been great. A trip down memory lane, but also get to know, get to um, different generations, but a lot of commonalities. I think. I think so. Mm. Interesting. Interesting how p- part that these things play in our lives, and particularly our young lives. Yeah. Um, and maybe I suppose the question: what, what What is it? What What need does it serve when you get home and you sort of just veg out and yeah. soak in the sitcoms? Um, yeah. Yeah, well, story, isn't it? What need the storytelling? What need the stories? Well, there it's you like go. You get home from the, the day and the, you yep. sit around the campfire and yep. you tell a story. It's probably, probably looking, doing it for generations. Looking into the flames. It's how we learn. How we learn. Yeah. So it makes yep. you makes you question if that's how we learn our culture. <laughs> Maybe Bart Simpson or Pac Man weren't the best. God help us. <laughs> yes. uh, so diorama with Rob McCrill. Find it on find it where you find your podcast, especially on uh, iTunes or what did you find it? Google Podcasts. Well, I'm very impressed. There you go. It's on there. I think you'd be surprised. It might probably it might find it on Spotify as well. Yeah. Um, you can find us at uh, that's rank pod at Gmail. Uh, that's rank on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, please do write us it, write in and tell us what some of your classic sitcoms were. Yes. Uh, sitcom memories were. Those rituals coming home. This is a very hear. important conversation, folks. Very important conversation. We'll be back next week for another episode. Cheers. Um, until next time. Until, <laughs> until next time. Good night, young Kenny, and good night to you. <laughs> <laughs>